0: Hey, Dave here. I've been a bit preoccupied in the last few weeks with everything leading up to the announcement of the 2017 Busker Hall of Fame inductees. I feel as though we as a community are standing on the shoulders of giants, the performers, producers, and contributors who came before us and advanced the art form with their work and passion. On April 1st, 2017, we inducted two such giants into the Hall of Fame. First, we welcome Nick Nicholas. Nick has been playing the streets for over three decades and has helped develop pitches, share his knowledge with new performers, and been a shining example of the fact that you don't have to get up on something tall to have an incredibly powerful show. Second, here's to the godfather of Canadian Street Performers Festivals, Dick Finkel. As founder of the Edmonton International Street Performers Festival, Dick encouraged performers to take risks, collaborate with new people, and perform at the limit of their ability. Though Dick passed away on May 17, 2016, his influence will be felt for years to come. Both Nick and Dick were interviewed by Robert Nelson in the early days of the Stories from the Pitch podcast, so if you haven't listened to those interviews already, I'd invite you to check out Episode 4 with Nick Nicholas and Episode 7 with Dick Finkel. Alright, let's get to it.
1: Is
2: this gonna be online. What's the deal? It's gonna be on the Busker Hall of Fame website. Stories from the pit. Really? Yeah. You're gonna add it. Oh, you didn't know what this was? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Tupan didn't know what this was. He's like, "What is this for?" <laughs> I had no idea, man. What? I had no idea what it was. You haven't listened to any of these stories? No, not too Oh, to you, you should listen to them. They're fun. Okay. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Stories from the Pitch, a podcast dedicated to creating a living oral history about street performing and some of the crazy characters who populate this world. I'm David Aiken, the Checkerboard Guy, your host for this growing collection of interviews. Being an incredible musician isn't enough if you want to make it on the streets. There's a video that went viral a few years ago of classical violinist Joshua Bell playing in a subway station in Washington, D.C. and not being able to gather a crowd. This after having played a sold-out concert not long before. You need something more, something extra if you want to connect with an audience on the street. Tupan Carneiro da Silva was born in Brazil, grew up in New York City, and eventually studied guitar at the famed Juilliard School for the Performing Arts. To make it on the streets, though, he knew that he needed to develop a technique that went beyond the norm and allowed him to connect to the music and his audience in a special way. It wasn't just one thing, but rather a fusion of influences that he brought to his performance that made it all work. Al Miller sat down with Tupon in Boston to discuss a career that started in New York's Central Park and eventually took him around the world to play music, sell recordings, and live a life that's filled with some amazing stories from the pitch.
2: So, uh, so what's your full name, Tupan? Carnero. Da Silva Tupan caniro da Silva yeah so this is uh, stories from the pitch with Tupan he's the uh, the king of the street musicians <laughs> right Are you recording that? yeah man oh, no, we're on <laughs> So Tupan is from Brazil
1: and why did you leave? My father was a diplomat oh yeah and he was assigned to work in New York. That must have been pretty exciting. Yeah, spent eight years working there, He, and then one was time to go back to Brazil, I, I just stayed.
2: <laughs> yeah? Nice. So everyone yeah. went back and you stayed in New York? Yeah. And uh, you went to college for guitar as well, is that right? I went to Juilliard. Yeah. Juilliard in New York. Was that hard to get into? Uh, yeah, it was very hard, but I don't know. I got, I got a scholarship. Oh, really? Full scholarship? Not, not full, but no? uh, it helped a lot. So that was the initial, like, uh, that's why you went to the street, yeah. just to start uh, making some money to pay your tuition? Cool. So where did you play in New York City?
1: I, um, I started playing in Central Park. Yeah. And uh, I became, like, a, a local celebrity.
2: Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Like a typical day in New York City playing in the park, what would you do? You'd get on the subway somewhere, and where would you play in the park?
1: Well, I lived by the park. I okay. Lived, I lived on 82nd in Central Park. Right. West, yeah.
2: I just walked to the pitch. You know. What was your favorite spot? Uh strawberry fields. Strawberry fields. Yeah. Nice. So this I is before CDs, and all that kind of stuff. Thing. So you just play for tips. Just for tips, I man. Right. Just for tips, and uh, and it was doing extremely well. Right. When did CDs like come? That was like the early 90s, right?
1: Yeah. Um, I started. My first was a uh, taped. Tapes. I yeah. made tapes uh, was in 1988 It was very b- well done very professionally in the studio, and they went extremely well I mean the first day I, the first day I sold 100 copies in the subway station in two hours Wow thirty uh, fourth and sixth avenue. So New York
2: was pretty good to
1: you. Oh yeah, New York was the best, yeah, yeah the and best. you were there for uh, quite a while yeah, it was yeah, for many, many years. That formed my personality everything about
2: me is New York gave to me. Right, right. Uh, All the black, you mean? All the black? The black's very yeah, dark. Yeah, everything's black. <laughs> <you> know, the <laughs> black pants, the black hair, the black jacket, black guitar, black amp. Uh, the black braids, <laughs> Yeah, the black braids. Yeah. What's your favorite color? Ah. Uh,
1: <laughs> I don't know what the black came from. I, I wore white a lot. i like and it's funny in the beginning I was wearing white, white, white and people would start asking me if I belong to any religion or something oh right they thought you were, what <laughs> because I weird. had a headband you know I had like a, a white headband like I yeah. don't know why I, I just want to make a character or whatever yeah it wasn't very smart because it, it, <laughs> remi- it reminded uh,
2: some religious you know freak you know yeah in Waco, Texas or something yeah, yeah, yeah so you started in the park and 34th Street, and uh, what about Washington Square or downtown? Anything like I that? I
1: um, I tried a couple of times uh in Washington Square. It's was too much. It's too many, you know, hippies, and uh, I was into a different crowd from the very, very beginning. Right. Yeah.
2: You need My, that high-end uh, kind of yeah, up, I, upper West Side uh, crowd. Yeah. 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 Did crazy things happen to you uh, down there when you were playing in New York?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, one time, someone tried to take all my money from my case. Oh, yeah? Yeah, some police dude. And uh, the crowd went after him and beat up him. He gave shit out of him. You
2: know? <laughs> Uh-oh.
1: <laughs> so I have to run away, too, because, you know, I caused that, you know. For the oh, so you had to
2: leave as well? Yeah. Right. You know, to give you money back?
1: Yeah, they gave me money back, but, okay. but the police was coming. Right. Because the guy was beat up, you know. So I caused that, so... That Gotta get out of there. For the police, that's... Uh,
2: yeah, you're
1: involved. Th- yeah. We're cult, you know, would approach me. I don't know why I... I
2: you attract cult members. I don't know why. Do you think why. it was the white? Or mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> no, I was already wearing black. Maybe okay. it was the black. Maybe it was the black. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, there was this guy who came and left a note. Big letter say, I've chosen you for my vision. <laughs> What? That was it? <laughs> that was it. Did you ever see him again? And he left the phone number. So I, I just called him. I was laughing a lot about it right. with my friends. And then you should call this guy. And I called him. He he happened to be a Satanist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was the black. <laughs> so he wanted me to be part of his vision. <laughs> right. Uh, and this couple comes to me and say, and so, so they were so nice, so nice, so zen, you know. And, oh, you're great. W- whatever you need in your life, just call us and give them the, their number. And then when everything I thought, I thought everything was really normal, you know. <laughs> the, he comes to me and said, he, he watches all your moves. Who? He watches. He watches all your moves? All your moves. I said... Uh, <laughs> I said, I mean, I around, and, who I said. I look around and who they said The
2: Lord. <laughs> oh, oh no. Jesus people. Oh man.
1: By someone no
2: man, that Jesus freak <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I yeah, I often get those little uh, notes. Oh I get so many notes. You know, a little notes, a little picture of Jesus and a little I know, it's like uh, a bookmark or something. I wonder why, and you know, I wonder why they think we're lost. But yeah, really, I, we're the, our only purpose is—I see, I see the performing. other way
1: around, and I think we we found ourselves. You yeah, know, we, absolutely. We were like one. We were very free people, maybe together. The most, yeah, together, you know, because yeah. we really know where we are. I think those religions—they just choose the easiest way mm. to just you know, believe in something. Just believe in something, and, yeah, and everything know, will be all right. And put everything, all the responsibility. Uh, on, on God, because mm-hmm. they're not, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like they, it's the easiest way. Right. Why Why bothering being uh, responsible? Why did, this,
2: why did this happen to me? God is yeah. testing God me. God is testing me. No, it's God's because you're well. an asshole. Yeah. It's
1: God's will. No, it's not. It's because you're an asshole. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you no. get all kinds of crazy nuts coming up to you in the street. Like, you know, uh, I, I don't know, for some reason, street performers attract Weirdos. Yeah, yeah, they think that uh, that we're like them in some way, and and homeless people. They they tend we tend to attract homeless people too. They think that we're homeless or something, and I think sometimes the public sees us as the same thing as well.
1: Especially uh, in places uh, places that you know they're not really familiar with uh, basking. The classic question is, "Do you have
2: a job?" Of course, yeah, <laughs> you get that like once a week. You make enough money doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I get uh, by. I work three, four hours a week, tops, mate. But for you, like, uh, in the beginning, like, what, like, you were inspired to go out and perform on the streets so you could pay your tuition, and then you kind of just, from there, you kind of fell in love with it and, and just continued?
1: Yeah. yeah, the first time was. Uh, I had no none idea. None of us
2: started doing this for money.
1: No. I wanted to show my music. First of all, because I, uh, I, I, it's funny, I started playing clubs, yeah. you know, first in New York. So I got tired of that, and I uh, started playing in the streets. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked, I knew there was money involved, so... And you I, don't have
2: to, like, wait for someone to give you a gig, either. You know, like, at a exactly. club, you got to call the club, hey, when can I, oh, November... 22nd 2017. <laughs> we know, got a spot coming up. I don't even oh. know
1: if I'm going to be alive at that time. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so you so, know uh, that's it, the cool thing about the street. You, you know, don't have to have I, a. You know, I was great, gig. man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I was a way to to not asking for my parents for money to pay my school. It was a great way to
2: be independent and get confidence in my art. You know? Right. And so the tapes were a big uh, improvement in your earnings in the in the late 80s, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was... And then, what, you switched to CDs when?
1: When, uh, when I moved to Japan. Yeah. The thing is, uh, I got so big in, <laughs> in Central Park that, you know, all the people started to get bothered by... Of course. ...by that, you know, and the jealousy because they knew I was making money. Yeah. You know, uh, they started pressure, they started campaign against... Uh, Other
2: street performers?
1: Yeah, in Central Park. Yeah, right. But, but mainly, I started there. I was because cause. Um, Mayor Dixon was next, and uh, and they changed everything. They didn't want to shoot performers. I think the pressure from the, the rich people in Central Park West also still complaining. So they they stopped for good. So I did a campaign with the uh, signatures, uh, and I had six thousand people in in a month. Oh, yeah, no, that's pretty it's good. not bad, right? Yeah.
2: This seems like a story that you could have heard this year, any year, in some city, exactly. any, anywhere in the world. Exactly. They never
1: learn. It's like a plague, you know? Yeah. They do that to artists in the yeah, streets, yeah. you know? Something so beautiful, you know?
2: Yeah, it's culture. Wow, so, ah, let's squash yeah. it. Yeah. Wow, you went to Tokyo, though. I decided to stay a little bit. There's money in the streets yeah. in uh, Japan, eh?
1: I discovered that I was money in the streets. I met a producer in one of my performances in the streets. And he said, you want to live in, here? I'll help you out. I want to be your, your manager. I want to find a, a record deal. Wow, cool. And he said, yeah, but I don't have the papers. You know, and the immigration in Japan is very hard. So I said, don't worry about it. Go back to New York and I'll take care of your papers. Wow. So I went back in one month I was back to Tokyo. Yeah. With a permanent visa. Wow. And then he said, What would make you to come back here? And I was so fed up with my living situation. So I said, Well, I would like to have at least a place with a window. <laughs> and where uh, you
2: kinda of touch both walls at the same I, time.
1: Exactly. <laughs> And I said, I remember I said, and I would like to see a tree from that window. Nice. That's all I said to him. Yeah. Because I was living in a place that there was not even a window, you know. Oh. the concrete everywhere. So when I came back, there was an apartment for me.
2: With a window and a tree? With a window and a tree over there. with a little <laughs> terrace. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. How long did you stay there in Tokyo then? Five years. Man. Wow. So uh, he
1: financed... My entire first album that I recorded at Unique Hit Factory and the uh, Music Palace, which was like where uh, Seal was recording, Mariah Carey, everything. Right, cool. I had this $125,000 record. Uh, record. Oh my god! Uh, but tell you what the 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 album went to number 27. Wow! And uh, and on Billboard and the 28, you know who was? Spice Girls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's pretty cool. Were you playing the streets at this time in Japan, or were you just playing no, the shows? I was doing, doing shows, right. touring all over
1: Japan. Right. But they decided to not continue with me, because I had too much personality for them. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah. All I right. was very I was very firm with a lot of things. So did you move away from Japan after so that? So I... They dropped me, (laughs) Yeah. so uh, I didn't care because I was so tired of Japan. Uh And uh, when I came back to New York, I went to see my broker, and she happened to be a real crook.
2: Oh, no.
1: She lost all my money.
2: Oh, no. I ended up with (laughs) $4,000. Oh, man. Oh, that's terrible. And you're them. in New York? I was in New York by myself. And, and there was the pitch
1: open again? No, I didn't stay in New York. I was so depressed, man. I just wanted to leave. I, I didn't know what to do. Had you come across Basketfest by then? No, I didn't even. You didn't know about get, that yet. I didn't know about anything, man, because of five years of you know, circulation. In Japan, right, yeah. yeah I, and so I, I didn't know, man. I, all I knew was a was someone in Vancouver. Oh, uh, was it Byron? No, it was uh, Sean, Sean, Sean Dillon. He's a guitarist singer. And uh, all I know was him, that he he played in the streets too, and uh, he was a musician. So I was talking to him on the phone in New York, and I said, Sean, this happened to me, and was seen a shrink because it was a mess. Right, of course. Uh, I mean, he, that's a big deal, man. And Sean said, you know, man, come to Vancouver, man. Spend some time here. Cool. i put you up, you uh, know. He was a good friend. He was yeah. a good friend. So I went to Vancouver. And the first day in Vancouver was the Symphony Fire in English Bay. Right. Yeah. I just went to play there. Right, right. I went to play. And I, oh, you know, we should play there. He said, I went, man. Jesus Christ, man. I killed.
2: Yeah? Rocked it? was my first day in the street back. First day back after just five years. Just day back
1: when I had this... You know, thousands of people around me. You know. wow. I had pictures. Man, that uh, was amazing. And I met a real estate person who who offered me a place to live. Nice. our know, a penthouse yeah. by English Bay. Yeah. So I said, I'm staying. Vancouver, dreams come true, <laughs> Vancouver, man. Vancouver, man. Staying yeah. two years there. Canada. Like. I stayed two years there until the same thing happened again on English Bay. Some German woman started to fight against street performers. Right, yeah. <laughs> it was a good beginning. That's when I learned about the uh, Busker Festival. How did you find out about those? Who told me? I think Jeremy, you know Jeremy?
2: Yeah, the Jeremy. You the start telling me, man, you,
1: you should should hit the festivals, you know? And, and I didn't know anything about it. I met Shirley, Shirley Switzer. Shirley Switzer? Yeah. Edmonton. In uh, Vancouver one time. And then she said, I am, I'm running a festival in Edmonton. Would you like to apply? So I said, yeah, sure. Yeah, I cool. didn't even know how to apply, and I had to put something together and sent to her. Yeah, yeah. And I was
2: accepted. Beautiful. <laughs> that was <laughs> your first one, huh? My first one, man. Edmonton. It's, cool. t- it's a good start, right? It's a good start, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it's a and good then, one. And then.
1: And I didn't even apply for the others. So I only applied for that. For that, and then I, and she said, you know, there's a festival in Halifax that uh, I used to be the secretary of the uh, the festival. I used to be Kim's secretary, but uh, we don't get along, okay? She said. <laughs> but, but I'm gonna call her anyway for you. Yeah. to Get you loved, in. Yeah, to get you in. But I'm gonna call her for you, and uh, she called and. Uh, Kim got me. The that, that same year? The same year, man. Cool. The same very year. And I did without being in a program. And then...
2: They uh, just gave you a spot and you went for it? They gave me
1: a spot, in the regular like anybody else. Yeah. And uh, and the sh- Kim liked very
2: much, and she asked me to come back next year. Cool. Where did you do better, Edmonton or Halifax? Halifax. Yeah. Four. Yeah, definitely. Cool.
1: <laughs> no, and you've no, been I there
2: mean, like a lot since, right? Many times. I, I did three times only. Oh, three times. Okay. Did mm-hmm. you meet? You, when did you start meeting like um, circle shows?
1: Oh, that was in uh,
2: in was Edmonton and Halifax, Halifax, right?
1: Halifax and Edmonton. I, I became friends with uh, all the performers
2: in Vancouver on Right. Bay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was there then?
1: Uh, it was Byron. It was. Uh, um, Bill, Bill Ferguson, Ferguson, uh, Alex, whatever, Alex Elixir. yeah,
2: yeah,
1: uh, Tom Comet, Tom Comet, uh, Joe, oh Joel, Joel Wamsley, yeah, oh yeah, cool. And in fact, when they start playing there, mm-hmm. nobody socialized with anybody. Right, it was like total, you know.
2: Oh, those guys were not hanging out. No, they not hanging oh, out
1: wow. at all. And th- then that was a little restaurant, an Italian restaurant on Demers, Demers, whatever the street was. Yeah. And I used to go there after performing the to eat.
2: Yeah.
1: And uh, I used to drag one of them, you know, and make. I started making friends with everyone, and, and Byron used to go there and eat with me, and then I started bringing uh, others, including Bill, who never socialized. Right, so right. He got to a point. You're bringing everyone together. Get point appointment, the, the restaurant was full of performers. Nice, that's okay? cool. I reunited everyone, man. It yeah. was beautiful, it was beautiful. That's cool. I reunited everyone. I was, you know, it was funny because I don't have any musician friend, like in the circle.
2: Yeah, right.
1: Only performers. Only. That's it,
2: performers are just funny, easy right? to make friends with, you know.
1: Now, lately, I became friends with uh, the guitarist, I'm sorry. Tom? Tom. Tom Ward. Yeah, we became good yeah, friends. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. We yeah. became great friends. We exchange a lot of
2: information, you know. Oh ah, yeah, he's he's and, amazing with his uh, with his guitar. Huh? Yeah, yeah, he's good. He's good. Cool. And, uh,
1: and uh, he, uh, you know, he, he, for what he does, it's it's very hard to make money in the street with classical music. Yeah, of course. But he found a way, of, like talking to people, you know, uh-huh. explaining what he's doing. And this this is everything. People like to hear you talk and you know Connect. You're connect. just connecting, yeah. 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 So that's the only
2: friend I have a musician actually. Everyone else is a street performer on Circle Show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny, like it's Durham, funny, right? Vancouver was the first place I went overseas street performing and I was hanging out with Byron and Byron does an awesome impression of you i mean he does everyone he can even do that laugh he just did i'm gonna have to get a recording of that
1: come on man don't be like that okay these people so close-minded okay man these people are trashy people i hate this place man oh man they got no class, okay i only drink french wine man oh man i'm so depressed i only made fourteen thousand dollars on canada day man oh shit Ah! Oh, look at you mm-hmm. uh, 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 uh. come on man don't be like that
2: yeah he does a good impression of Bill and, and you and uh, Black Boy and me and like just everyone uh, uh, so Black Boy and met what did, I met when did you mean Black boy?
1: boy in Halifax in Halifax okay cool what's Halifax yeah we became we like became great friends yeah and then when I went to Sydney he, he was the bridge for other performers for me, you know, I right. met everyone including you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, we met in Sydney? Yeah, Right.
1: We met in Sydney. Yeah, cool. I met, you know, JP, I met everyone else, everyone else. I did, uh, Edinburgh. Oh, Edinburgh, nice. And that's where I, no, that's where I met the bike boy. In Edinburgh. At Edinburgh. We it met, it was, I was, it was so weird because I was having, a, uh, an ice cream and the bike boy can I have a lick you <laughs> <laughs> don't have a lick He <laughs> <laughs> said sure man and then when I did a lick and he went to another and then uh, at the same time, uh, same time our, our turns of meeting <laughs> and everybody everybody thought it was so weird but everybody loved that <laughs> so that's that's how we met <laughs> right right oh cool is Edinburgh good for you Oh, that year was awesome, awesome, awesome! I came back
2: last year, not this year. Do you change like how much uh, you sell things for in different countries? What do you mean? Like in, like let's say you sell a CD for twenty dollars in Canada. Do you charge twenty pounds in England or yeah, I twenty changed. euros? It's I changed. always I, uh,
1: in England. I started fifteen pounds. Yeah,
2: right. And uh, in in Australia, it's thirty dollars. Nice. Australians, yeah. they're used to things being expensive. And CDs are $30 in Australia. Yeah. That's how much they are for a new CD. So that's that's cool. So funny. I mean, so many people never learn the lesson of how to make money as a musician on the street. So many musicians don't make money yeah, doing no, street shows. No,
1: because musicians are very stubborn people. Yeah. They, you know, because the nature of uh, your art is... It's something, music is something that has a lot to do with yourself, with yeah. your, the, inside of you. It's not like a, a job like that, you know, it's, it's, it's something very, very private. Yeah, it's more you know, personal, yeah. It's very personal. Yeah. So I think that makes them very into themselves and to be stubborn.
2: I don't know. Right. I mean, here's how I see it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but for making money as a musician on the street you've got to play songs people know yeah. in a unique way and you need to sell a yeah. product. So is there anything else to the formula that I don't know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the formula, I, I never knew that,
2: but... Um, but does having a guy selling CDs, is that a big help? Sometimes. Because you always have someone with you, right? Yeah. But I, I
1: think, you know, I, from what I noticed... Uh, sometimes I don't have people selling CD for me, and uh, people like to buy from you, you know. Right, of course. It goes both ways, but uh, it comes down, and the formula comes down to how you play. Of course. You know, and not how you play, but the uniqueness that you project, you deliver. Uh, somehow I have clear sound. And I put a lot, a lot of feeling on it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do a note, you know, like this. I like Is it that note? You know? Yeah, yeah. And not 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 just this. Yeah, it's got a lot of like
2: Extra flourish.
1: It's like there's a cry there, you know. Yeah, yeah, So people, I mean, unless you're a rock, totally insensitive, you don't feel that, but you, 99% of people feel that, yeah, yeah, and something touches them.
2: Music definitely touches people more than a comedy show would, I think, you know?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that's what it comes down to, I man. It's just the way I play, you know, the, the clarity the finger-picking, and then the feeling. How about the volume? The volume also is very, very, very very important. important. Whenever I play, you know, low volume, I don't do well. Right. Because, first of all, everything I do in my guitar, it depends on sound.
2: Right, of course. How
1: loud I am, you know. Everyone has to hear it. There's so many details that just can be delivered with a good sound. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's why I say... 80 decibels, whatever, it's bullshit because it of doesn't course. help. Yeah, no. It's nothing. Can, I can't do nothing.
2: Yeah. I can't do anything with that. Yeah, neither can I. Neither can anyone, really. Nobody I mean, the audience, as the audience claps, it's like, yeah, 96, ah, you know. Even their claps is, is, is louder than us. Yeah, you know?
1: of course. People talking loud is, is louder than us.
2: Yeah. I, so it's ridiculous, man. So these guys that you get to sell your CDs or whatever, like, there's there's always someone different. How do you find <laughs> these guys? <laughs> how do you convince them to travel the world <laughs> selling CDs?
1: <laughs> I don't convince them. I just, they, they, most of them, they they want to do that, you know?
2: They, you meet them, they just, uh, they I see measure, you playing, uh, and they, they I that I don't want to do
1: around. I mentioned that I need help, and uh, oh, you want to do it? That's all I do.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, they go for it, you know? Like, um, I never insist on in anything, you know? Like, yeah. Because I think... I didn't you want to go to, that experience, you know, right. traveling
2: and... You uh, pay them well? I pay them well. A the percentage? Yeah, or, yeah. right? So per CD sale? Yeah. Right, okay, that's
1: good.
2: Cool. And um, besides the percentage, you know,
1: I pay for dinner, I pay for everything. You know, right, flights. Flights, everything. Yeah,
2: cool. It's good, it's a good deal. It's a good deal for someone who wants to see the world and, yeah. you know? Yeah. Hang out with Tupan <laughs> all day. <laughs>
1: Like a, like uh, Sharon says, oh man, I used sometimes have two of them. Right. And and Sharon every time she sees me I have two of them with me, you know. <laughs> in, in Holland, in Rotterdam, I had three, right? Three people with me. I said, you too much, man. You like, always have this entourage. <laughs> <laughs> entourage of beautiful boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. She always says, oh here. And last time in Vancouver, was with, with Ken and Fernando. So what's your problem now? Oh, I know. You can't perform because you broke your nail, right? <laughs> Just come to, come to the audience and says, I'm sorry, the show is canceled because I broke my nails. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, It's like you don't play with a pick. You, I know. You, but
1: she, nails. She you she break a true. nail, that's it. Like, you know, sometimes... You know,
2: I, I, she's not telling anything funny. It's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Well yeah. breaks. You f- I can't play. you got five nails that you use, <laughs> and if one of them breaks, that's a fifth of the notes. You that's can't it. hit, right? You can't hit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but that's the formula. Uh, number one is the way you play. It doesn't matter how well the song all songs. comes down
2: to talent. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then, then everything else comes, you know, we have to, you have to take advantage of that
2: talent, and then right. pick the right songs. Mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. What song do you think has been the most successful song for you on the street? Um, Is there any one song?
1: Believe me or not, man, it's an original. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called uh-huh. Hearts to Fingers. Yeah, an original, and then Stairway, Stairway to, to Heaven, heaven definitely. Of <laughs> Uh, dust in the wind.
2: It's dust a, in the wind. It's a killer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't stand
2: it anymore. But I have to play. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what about uh, Free Bird? No, that's, uh, that's No, that I never play. Never play. I, the there people are certain things that I refuse to play. Yeah. Because that's what everyone requests.
1: You know, Dust in the Wind. I say I, I, I can't stand it anymore. But every time I play, I try to do it different. I do
2: it differently. Yeah. Just keep it fresh for you. Yeah. It yeah. motivates me to do a good performance. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I, you know, like, uh, we're living in a digital age now, and people obviously still buy CDs, but what would be the next progression for you uh, as far as delivering music?
1: Um, I, I haven't thinking about it yet. yet. Um, I think CDs are going to be, you know, going on for a while because... Um, People, people really like like my music, they they, they buy want to take it home. They'll buy. Yeah, There's a guy that bought a CD and said, "I don't have a CD player." Right. But uh, the first thing i want to do after this is to buy one. Right. Just to listen to you know. And that's what he said.
2: Yeah, well, that's cool. You know. I mean, I think a good transition for you would be to. um Sell your CD with an SD card uh-huh. with also the same music on it. That would be a transition, and SD, then one right? day down the road, you just sell the card.
1: I or know. I th- I
2: thought about that. I, I, or you could sell. You could have a CD case, and they open it, and it's just the SD card inside. Right. Buy my CD, and that's, then they, that's a
1: great idea. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'm still searching. Yeah. Researching for. Uh, future, you know, uh, uh, form to sell my music. Uh. I mean,
2: people like to have that thing that they can take they, with yeah, them. Yeah. What know? they do
1: actually is they buy the CD and they put it inside the computer and record anyway.
2: And then, yeah, they you put it on their iPod or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but I just hate the idea to.
2: I wonder if, uh. To leave
1: my music, to, to you know, to sell my music without, uh know, without a
2: cover, without information, you know. Without that would be the key. You can still have the cover. Yeah, yeah. And they open it. There's just no CD inside. It's just the the music, you know. You just have an
1: envelope. Not even plus. Just an envelope. Yeah. With my picture with some information on, you know.
2: Be a lot cheaper to duplicate. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I mean, it's already... I don't know when I listened to a CD last. People give me CDs all the time. And uh, at festivals and whatever, mm-hmm. I'm always... And every now and then, like, I'll buy one and put it on in the car sometimes, but rarely will I listen to a CD. I, I listen to a lot of music on my phone. I plug my phone into my amp. You have to understand, the people who really
1: enjoy my music, the kind of people who want a piece of you, you know? They want a piece of me, too. They, they're not, right. They're not those people, the hip-hop crowd, that, you know, they, they want to be more personal. So they want a picture... They want information, they want the whole package, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh,
2: um, I can have that and
1: and that's the... That'd
2: be a good transition, just CD and card and then one day you just drop the CDs. Maybe next year I'll have that, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. That's a good idea. That's cool. And you were telling me that you buy a new sound system in every country that you go to? Yeah. Couldn't you rent one? Um, they don't have what I want usually. Right. So, what do you need when you get to a new place? What do you need? You need
1: a speaker. I need, a, I need a, a an active speaker. Yeah. With a full range. Right. And you need a mixing board and a battery. No, I don't need any mixing board. No mixing yeah, board. The active. The speaker already have everything. Okay. I already has everything with a um, you know, inputs and um, EQs. I have my pedals as EQ. Yeah. So I, I need a speaker, a uh, uh, power speaker, active speaker, and a uh, battery, definitely. Battery. So you get a car battery. No, it's not okay. It's called SLA battery. Oh, right. It's a special battery. But, right. It's uh, kind of hard to find, but they don't leak. They don't... They're sealed. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, so here, you just got these all over the world. Where do you leave them? I just leave behind. I just... Sometimes it... I just leave at the hotel. You just leave them at the hotel? <laughs> of course, I will never go back to the hotel. <laughs> what? You just leave them at the hotel? No way. Uh, that's funny, man. Usually, I, I, I know I know people everywhere uh, in every country. Well,
2: what's your favorite instrument? Is, I mean, this is a Godin. Uh, what, what's your favorite brand that's, of instrument? That's my Golden? favorite. Godin? Yeah. Favorite, Canadian, right? just the only one. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And there's no other. There's no other. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they're really nice guitars. Yeah, they have a good sound, yeah. And uh, would you say you have musical influences? Uh, Like in the beginning, your classical influences?
1: In the beginning was, um, I don't know, I I like Paco and Lucia, but I never really, I don't play like him, but uh, I like like the finger-picking
2: style. I was was, was very Mm classical-oriented. Um, Did you see anyone on the street doing this kind of thing before you started doing it? Never. No. No. Right. I, in fact, I, you know,
1: I didn't know what to do in the streets when I decided to go to the streets. Because I I only did strumming guitar and classical music, but people are not really interested in classical music. Right. Unless you do something like Unique. Yeah. Like, you know, you have to speak a lot, you know. Yeah, he's got it standing up on a stand. And, and then the looks, to, you know, yeah. that thing that he puts, it is also yeah. so it's also a gimmick. Yeah. He's got his radio mic, <laughs> he's <laughs> talking to everyone. Yeah. yeah. it's pretty cool. But um, I didn't know what to do. I So I I decided to, to do finger-picking style, mm-hmm. to play the melody, bass, and chords. Yeah, on the top strings there. And the nylon an strings. and So I learned, you know, like, Five songs like that. It was very, very, very hard because, you know, I didn't have... I, I was still in the beginning of uh, classical training. Yeah. So it was hard to do that. But I knew that it was the only way to do it because I didn't want to sing in the streets, you know. Yeah. I didn't want to waste too much work. So I had to come up with something, you know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And uh, nobody was doing that. Oh, with, that's cool. With pop music. Yeah, yeah. So I did, and only it worked. I mean, the first time I hit the streets, I remember, like today, I sat up in a corner in, in Greenwich Village. Yeah. It was in Central Park, within the village. And uh, I was playing, uh, and then some guy was playing next to a building, and this guy on the second floor didn't like it, and he put his speaker uh, and started playing. A little help from my friend. Oh, yeah. Very loud, very loud. Beatles version. Yeah, Beatles version. Yeah. So I said, oh gosh. And then I had an audience already. I was like, you know, a few people, like 40 people maybe. Uh huh. So you know what I did? I tuned my guitar in the same key of the song. You start playing along. They start playing along. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) And people start applauding like crazy. Awesome. The
2: ultimate finger.
1: Yeah, so I... <laughs> yeah, man. That's the the formula. That's the only way I could play in, that I found to do something interesting in the streets, you know, because yeah, I yeah. We don't want to become just a drummer and singing. That's, everybody was doing that. Right. You know, I was the only one, in, the only one in the world doing that. I'm st- I still am cool. the only one, man.
2: Right, you're one and only. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and the hair braids, uh, you know, we did you always have them?
1: Um, Yeah, not, not in Central Park, not in New York. Let's start in Japan.
2: Right. I want
1: to be exotic. Part of the
2: record uh, thing, record yeah, label? Yeah, I want to
1: be exotic, you know, and I want to look different.
2: Uh, yeah. People wouldn't. Do you feel more badass when you have uh, the hair <laughs> braids? <laughs> no, really. Yeah, maybe.
1: I don't know, man. I feel different because people look, look at me differently. Right.
2: I mean, I know I know what it is to have a different kind of hairstyle and to start doing a show. People stop and watch quicker yeah. when you have crazy hair. Yeah, yeah. Because I find that um, when people stop at a show, they look at you before they start listening to you. Yeah. So it helps to look different. So exactly. they'll look at you without paying attention to what you're saying for, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds. Exactly. And once they start listening to you, that's when you hook them in. Yeah. But sometimes it's the look. It's a, it's a good call, yeah. The look is what hooks them in. It's the call. Their yeah. first, yeah, that's their first instinct, is to listen, look yeah. at you. I, uh,
1: I noticed that. In fact, uh, when, I, when I have braids, I, I sell more and I have more crowds too. mm um. Not, there's not much difference but it's a little bit more what you should do you should get blonde braids I thought about that man <laughs> I thought about that so many I thought I sk- I'm still gonna do
2: that yeah um, yeah yeah while
1: I'm young <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: all black clothing everything and blonde braids
1: it <laughs> you know all happened to me I first noticed that way I was really different with braids is when I was in New York hmm doing my album, and, and I was waiting for the train, for the subway. And then I was sitting down, and, and this huge black mama was sitting next to me, and she she, she turned around and said, You ain't black. <laughs> <laughs> and then, You ain't white either. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell are you? I'm in the middle, baby. <laughs> Just like that, man. I, I was like, "Wow."
2: <laughs> she was like offended that you had braids. Yeah. What? Where yeah. do you get them? Do you get them at the at the at the Afro stores or what?
1: Everywhere, man. You yeah. Know, my first braids I got in uh, in Harlem. Right. Then I found uh, the African lady that know, Tight, right? When they do it on you, it's
2: really yeah. tight. It's painful. It's painful. Yeah, yeah. I used to have braids, man. <laughs>
1: Can not believe that you, you ain't white either.
2: You ain't black. Why you ain't, ain't white. black. What
1: is you? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, was so, I never forgot that, man. Yeah, yeah. Never forgot. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. So uh, do you have any favorite street performers that you like to watch? <laughs> I like watching Byron because he's funny.
1: Yeah. I think in, in the funny side... Uh, My favorite one is Byron. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Now, skills, you know, and and more towards the art and, you know, in the show. uh, Definitely definitely you.
2: Me? Yeah,
1: man. (laughs) You don't watch me. I do. I watched you many times. That's cool. Yeah. (laughs) And it comes to, you know, skills and and you have a class act, you know. Right. Thanks. I like that. I
2: like Tom Comet a lot. Right, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, a he was more. good. Is he still performing? Yeah, he's got his own circus company now called Circus Orange. Oh, and yeah? uh, he also has a drone company where he uh, he films events with his drone, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I believe he's learned to be a pilot, which is pretty cool. Wow! Yeah, oh, flight lessons. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he was always think, into, uh, you know, gadgets and, and technology and stuff and... And he still is. You know, I, like, I like the show. He was very ballsy, you know, very... Yeah, yeah, he was on the edge. On the edge, you know. I like, uh,
1: Definitely. Well,
2: done. a 12-foot unicycle in a, a G-string blowing a G fire string, out of your ass. man a man.
1: Fucking ass. Showing the whole fucking ass.
2: <laughs> I was fucking ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> so, you like watching Tom Comet? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, oh, maybe I liked his ass. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, can you think of any funny stories of any of our friends that would be fun to tell? <laughs> any funny stories? Like a Sharon story or a Sharon. Byron or a Tom Comet story? <laughs> Bike Boy story?
1: Bike Boy, definitely, right? <laughs> it, yeah. It's so many. I don't know, man. That, yeah, they always say something funny. Um, funny story. Sharon, definitely, yeah. Uh, she have you ever
2: been embarrassed by Sharon
1: all the time <laughs> 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 oh yeah all right. Sharon Sharon she came to me once, and you know Sharon's always funny funny it is like totally on you know, hyper, and, and this time she knocks on my door in Vancouver. It's Sharon, I said I was you know late on the, in the, in the, in the the intercom. This is Sharon. It was two o'clock in the morning. Oh really? She said, Sharon, I just broke up with Byron. Oh no. I thought she was I thought you were joking. I said I said, Go home, Sharon. Oh
2: no. Oh, she needed you oh, no. I said, Go home, Sharon. she left?
1: She left for guy. But the same night she came back and then she, she, she thought it was very intriguing. And then she somehow she got into the building. And uh, I was having a really hard time with uh, someone who I met. It was a guy who came with me home and, uh, you know, just friends to socialize. Mm-hmm. It was just a, was a freaky situation. It was someone who I met in the crowd and uh, we, yeah. you know, they helped me out. Things like that. It happens all the time, you know. Yeah. You know, like, hanging out with the performer, right? And then he suddenly went to the bathroom and he and I was watching TV and he comes back from the bathroom. He spent hours in the bathroom. Oh really? Comes out and all I hear in my back is like it was uh, this like heels. And the turned back, and he was totally transformed as a beautiful... Drag? Woman, a drag queen.
2: What? Oh, man. How long was he in there? And that's when that's Sharon shower, shower,
1: called, right? Oh, man. And Sharon, go home. Because I, I didn't want to tell her what I was dealing with. No. Right. So I knew how she got into the building. And, uh, And I had to open it up for her, And and she said, I said, listen, I'm dealing with something really weird. And she (laughs) saw the guy said, oops!
2: And she said,
1: oh, Tupon, I didn't know you were into that. (laughs) I said, no, I'm not. I'm trying to get rid of this. (laughs) Wow. It was really funny. But I uh, Byron definitely, you know, was very funny sometimes. Mike mm-hmm. um, Boyle broke his leg once. Broke and his he, leg? Yeah, and when I was in Sydney. Oh yeah. And he asked me to sell CDs for me. <laughs> oh, just, <laughs> just just to twerk. so we could do something. Keep on working. Right, right. right. <coughs> that was very funny. Was he on crutches? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He sold so many CDs, man. That He's a good salesman. He sold about in, in like, 150 CDs like in one hour or something like that. Man. <laughs> that was incredible. That's cool. That's my... That's, that's a, a story that I have always remember from the, oh, in Pitt Street. another performer you know? on pit Street. Yeah.
2: How did he break his leg?
1: On the bike. On the bike. Yeah. Oh, right. I wish I had more to remember from the it's so much, you know, that you know, sometimes you get blocked, you know,
2: uh stories. Well let's move on. Um and and you came to Boston when? You said that I told you about Boston, right? Hmm. You the cause. I'm it's, the cause. The whole cause. How man. did that happen? I don't even remember. I called you. Yeah.
1: I think I called you. No no you we saw each other once uh I think it was in Sydney. Yeah. Somewhere, you know, in the world. You told me that you live in Boston, and it was really good. And there was uh, Fanny Hall. had auditions, right, and then
2: right, you I come. kept mm-hmm. I kept
1: that in mind. And I asked you, I I was in Florida, and then I called you. Hey, I'd like to come to Boston, and can you assist me? Mm-hmm. to something? You know, I mean, help me out. I don't know anybody there. And then you took me and showed me. The spots,
2: remember? Yeah, I remember people making money at Faneuil Hall playing music. And I was like, none of these people are any good. Mm-hmm. And I guess at some point we were hanging out and I was like, you should come to Boston. because yeah, the, that's what you told Even me, the yeah. crappy musicians there are making that's, money. That's why I came. I, <laughs> yeah. Because
1: um, you, you're the, um, the inspiration. You're the one who... So I, I did the audition, remember? Yeah. I did the audition. And you were in the program for... I was in the program for one year. Right. And then I quit. Yeah, too much too much pressure from the merchants. They were jealous. Right. Oh, uh, don't worry. It's the still crowds. like that. Yeah, it's still like that. The money I was making I was making more money than them, definitely. Yeah. So they got jealous and they created all kinds of problems. So I decided to quit. I'm probably the, the first musician quit in, in, in their
2: history maybe. Yeah. Because people just loved that place I don't know why you know? and you moved across the street to uh, Christopher Columbus Park yeah I
1: just started playing by myself at, yeah.
2: uh, at, at, the, at the spot you showed me I showed you that spot yeah it's yeah, a nice Christop- spot
1: and then I, I, I established myself there man. you know every year and the funny thing is people really all the performers really respect me that uh, yeah. there they never tried to to take that spot right know? except for a couple of break dancers once. They go down the block a little bit, don't they? No, but they tried my spot oh and really? then they chased them.
2: You chased <laughs> them. <laughs> a guitar in your hand. Get out of
1: here. Oh man, what a plague, uh, those guys.
2: They're yeah, crazy. yeah, they're not nice guys. No. Not in Boston anyway. Well not in Central Park either. Those no, guys they nice ruined it in anywhere, Central Park. Man.
1: They're not nice anywhere. They're a plague. Yeah. In the streets. Yeah, I only know
2: a couple of guys that are okay. Like, Snap Boogie's a good guy. Yeah? Yeah, USA Breakers, they're good guys.
1: Are USA, yeah. Yeah. And, but but not, uh, they don't perform in the streets that much. Right,
2: they? yeah, the actual, like, the guys in the streets doing it, like, in New York and...
0: Anywhere, everywhere,
2: Amsterdam, like...
0: I was in Amsterdam just
2: doing a show, you know, and, and suddenly these breakdancers set up next to me. I'm like, everywhere you go, the You're bloody same it, guys... Now. Doing the same thing, and they always like got an attitude about they it. They
1: actually, like,
2: if you wait till I'm finished, you'll get my crowd. You know. They actually changed a lot. My,
1: they changed for me a lot. You know, in yeah. Boston, I, they really affected my show, mm-hmm. my money. Well, yeah, you everything. got that. Your flow
2: is coming from right where they set up. Yeah, yeah. And if they block it up, then that's. They not good. really, I
1: mean, I wish. They, Something happened. Uh, one of them, you know, uh, uh, attack uh, uh, some member of the audience. Oh, really? And they didn't. And, uh, and there was many uh, weekends that they didn't come. The police didn't let them. Mm-hmm. But now, uh, before I left, they started coming again. I don't know. It's. It, I wish that there was a uh, there was a an answer for that problem you know, for us. Yeah. Same thing with the uh, Peruvians. Do you know why they have so much problems with the sound in the world now? The Use the, the, the laws,
2: generators and
1: the because the Peruvians, the, those Indians, Yeah. they started just playing too loud, you know. Yeah, yeah. The PA system. Yeah. In the giant streets. system. Yeah. That's why the, the laws of creating you mm-hmm. know this sound decibel yeah, levels. Because yeah. Because them. Because mm-hmm. them. You know. In Edinburgh. Oh, Edinburgh yeah. They just destroyed
2: the, the whole music scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame, you know. It's, it's, shame, uh, it's There's room for everyone, but, you know, play by the rules. Yeah. You know, would <laughs> be cool. Yeah, and you're in Boston now, um, uh, just for a, a quick visit to the hospital, right?
1: Yeah. And you were in
2: hospital a couple of years ago. I was, yeah. And what was that all about? You had a heart was, surgery? I had heart surgery, yeah. Yeah. What happened
1: there? Uh, I was starting having chest pain. Oh, yeah?
2: And um, So you are in Boston when this happened? Yeah. Yeah. So I had a... There was a
1: minor heart attack. Mm. And. Uh, At home? Yeah. Yeah? And then I decided to to, you know,
2: to follow and to see what was wrong because I didn't even know it was a heart attack. Yeah, know. yeah. And then... So it happened and you, like, didn't really... Like, how how long after that did you go to the hospital? I never went to the hospital. I went to the hospital months later.
1: Oh, wow. Uh, and then when I did the... Uh, this this is the EG. EKG? EKG, yeah. Okay. It showed that I had a heart attack. Oh. And I didn't even know. I, right. And I know when it happened, but I didn't you know it was a heart attack. I right. thought it was a, a... So it was a minor heart attack. It was a minor, yeah. I thought it was an, uh, a panic attack, whatever. Right, right. But it was a different one because you know, I felt pressure here,
2: really yeah.
1: huge pressure. I was very lucky I didn't die.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So you had to have heart surgery? Yeah. Right. Wow. So they discovered that. No, no, I did a lot of exams to see what was going on, why I had the heart attack, and they f- they found, you know, blockages in my arteries. In my arteries, like one was very by, by the heart, right by the heart. Wow. So I had two surgeries. Mhm. In the same month.
2: Yeah. Right. Two years ago.
1: Two years ago. Yeah. yeah. And they went well. They went well, except for the last one was uh, I uh, post surgery was I was still in the hospital and something happened. Mm. I um, collapsed Uh, and um, my heart stopped after the surgery. After the surgery, right? And luckily, I was connected with you know the machines, right? they saw what happened so they came and uh... they, they brought me back to life. Wow! Yeah, Did you experience man. anything? Uh, and it was so weird man. I it was just, just a blank, blank thing. you know, Just blank, blank. I,
2: so what's it was, a, like the last thing you remember and the first thing to rem- you last, remember? Last thing I remember is, is going down. So you, you remember falling down? Falling down. I remember uh, and then probably waking up at some point. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Right. I remember they had six doctors around me. Yeah. And, uh... So they obviously kept you in hospital for a little while after that?
1: Yeah. yeah. I had to, yeah. They said it was not nothing related really to heart. Oh. It was a nerve called vega. Right. It starts, you know, uh, in your head, or under, um, behind your ears. And goes past your heart, near your heart, and goes somewhere else, and the nerve was affected. Mm-hmm. The surgery, and that uh, that's happens like in, in one thousand one, one happens, you know.
2: Right. Well, you lucky to make it out of there, huh? I know, man. Wow. Oof. <laughs> I don't even. I don't like
1: to talk about. it. Yeah, no, it's all
2: right. <laughs> So you, you, you're you happy to go out and play the streets uh, at this time in your life? You you, you still want to be a uh, mainstream success or are you happy to just play the streets? No, I I just want to,
1: I really want to get out of the streets. You do? Yeah, not right. because I don't like anymore, but uh, it's, it's time to move on again and do something more, how do you say, um, something that won't take so much from me. Right. It's hard to do, like, after years. I don't want to do everything anymore. Right. I want to have a, a team, you know, yeah. with me. And that's the only
2: thing, the only way to do that is when you, when you have a mainstream
1: right uh,
2: situation. So what are you planning? I mean, you live in L.A. now. Yeah. And uh, and what do you got planned? I'm sending my new album to record
1: companies. Mm-hmm. I want to be established in the, the Smooth Jazz. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Uh, market Mm -hmm. or something similar to that. It's very hard to market me, Yeah, yeah. but I'm more towards to smooth jazz. What I really want to do is to have my own label.
2: Right. Yeah, that seems to be the way to do it these days. Yeah, and have a... a, a Because contracts aren't as good as they used to be, and even record companies aren't what they used to be. Exactly. So I want
1: to have my own label and have a distribution, you know.
2: Yeah, uh, distribution uh, deal. Some... Professional people in distributing. Yeah. That's cool. Well, the good yeah. thing about uh, that I found about being in a band and being a musician is that you can still do street to make the money to fund yeah, yeah, yeah. what you want to do. No, I, I think I'll, I'll always, i probably, you know,
1: be playing the street for the next two or three years. Yeah. But um,
2: I don't see myself doing that longer than that. You don't want to keep traveling so much, or yeah, you want to have cool, a home not, base?
1: Yeah, I wanna no, I like I love travel. I just want I don't wanna do it all by myself. You know, I don't, I don't wanna take care of all myself. Yeah, yeah. Because it's hard, man. It's tiring, mm-hmm. and uh, I just wanna be able to to dedicate more time to my music. Yeah, and when you do that, you. It takes away from your your music. Absolutely, yeah.
2: You don't uh, have time uh, to be creative. And, and
1: another reason is, is it's getting really hard in the streets. There's a lot of people out there and that uh, want to get rid of
2: street performers. Yeah, know? right. Yeah, that happens everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really sad.
1: It's a very sad situation, but mm-hmm. it's true. I noticed. Well, you've that been
2: in it thirty years, probably almost thirty yeah, years, right? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty amazing. mm. And what would you say uh, in thirty years? What's the best thing that the street has given you? Hey, good audience. Good audience. Good audience, and the, and yeah. the, and the confidence. Confidence. Yeah. To so know that you have something to give. Yeah. Right. I say that's the
1: that's the best present and best gift you know. And, uh,
2: uh, the street. So any 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 audience can give to you you know. I find, like, the, that uh, if you can do it on the street, you can do it anywhere. Course, you yeah. know, because the street is a tough crowd. Yeah, yeah. They didn't pay tickets. They're not there to uh-huh. watch you, you know. But if they're there and they are watching and they do pay, then you, you win. I'm sorry,
1: man. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. You asked me to remember all the, the good stories. Yeah. There's one particular one that, uh, that I remember. Very well, you know, because it, it's such a great story. It was, um, it was about fans. And uh, I was walking on Columbus Avenue once in New York. Mm-hmm. And uh, this lady crossed the street, you know, from the other side. She runs and sees me and, hey, 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 hi, how are you? Uh, I just want to let you know that my father was your biggest fan. I said, thank you, and she said, his last wish, he just died, but his last wish was that his ashes would be spread at the spot you play in Central Park.
2: Wow, so he could listen to you forever. Can you (laughs) believe that?
1: (laughs) Wow. Isn't that great? That's pretty wild. I mean, I was so touched. I never forgot that. Yeah, that's amazing. I never forgot that. That's cool. uh, also, people come to me and say, you know, I just want to let you know that I'm married now and uh, well, me and my wife, we met at your performance. Right. And we have two babes now and it's all because of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good, right? I'm yeah, good yeah. Like that, right? yeah. I like, you know, it makes you that you've changed people's lives, you know. hmm like, mm-hmm change the directions. It just like wow, what a power!
2: <laughs> you you touch their hearts. Yeah, that's it. Perfect.
0: <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Stories from the Pitch is produced by the Busker Hall of Fame and is made possible through the efforts of a dedicated team who share a passion for the recording, editing, and presenting of these interviews. This episode is proudly sponsored by Buskin City, a platform for professional street performers to book their own tour in different parts of the world using a simple booking calendar. For more information, please visit buskincity.com. That's B U S K-I-N-C-I-T-Y.com. And huge thanks to Thorsten Anderson, Ulf Anderson, and the team at Busking City for their support of this project. If you'd like to support what we're doing, please do consider swinging by the Busker Hall of Fame website and throwing a little love into our online hat by clicking on the donate button. Or become a sustaining supporter of this project at patreon.com slash Stories. Your contributions really do allow us to grow this resource and generate more content, so thanks in advance for supporting this project and helping us keep Buskin History alive. Music for this podcast came from 357 Lover. Links to both songs are available in the notes section of this episode on the Busker Hall of Fame website. You can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Simply go to your favorite app, type in Stories from the Pitch, and download away. If you're accessing this content via iTunes, we'd love it if you could take a moment and leave us a review and give us a five-star rating. It'll take just a minute or two, and it means the world to our production team. Got a story to tell? Something you think we could improve? A performer you'd like us to interview? Or perhaps you're interested in becoming a sponsor of an upcoming episode? If so, drop me a line at cbg at Haven't gotten enough Buskerhoff content yet? Well then, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash buskerhalloffame. Follow us on Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube, or sign up for our newsletter. Links to all of these can be found on the Busker Hall of Fame website on the right-hand side of the page. And just before wrapping things up, a few final thoughts from Tupan that are a good reminder for all of us.
2: Anything you want to say to all our friends? Hey, keep on doing a good job,
1: and uh, keep on being humble and friendly with all the performers, too. (laughs)
2: Alright, Perfect.
0: On behalf of myself, story editor Magic Brian, Al Miller, who captured this interview, and the rest of the staff of the Busker Hall of Fame, we hope this finds you well. And as you perform for audiences around the world, please remember to use your superpowers for good. I'm David Aiken, the checkerboard guy. Thanks for listening.
1: (laughs) I was fucking ballsy.